Hello, everybody. Charles, there's something in my headphones, but I, I think you're just gonna have to turn it up. You know what? I think I just might have to. <laughs> because this is my jam. It's my jam as well. It just doesn't get much better than this, I would think. How could it get better than this wonderful intro music? And there's the howl. There's that <laughs> snuck in right there at the end. The intro was fading. The FTF podcast lay in excitement, and it was an excitement of three parts. The most obvious part was a vast, echoing excitement made by the book that was Buddy Red, The Wise Man's Fear by Patrick Rothfuss. Hosting the podcast, two bearded man-children eased back in their chairs and adjusted their mics. In doing this, they added their eager, open excitement to the larger, echoing one. The third excitement was not an easy thing to notice. It was in you, the listener, waiting for the first pale hint of banter or thought-provoking conversation. This podcast is for you, just as the third excitement is hopefully yours. This was appropriate, as it is, again, hopefully, the greatest excitement of the three, holding the others inside itself. It was deep and wide as Patrick Rothfuss' beard. It was the patient, cut-flower excitement of a listener who is ready to be entertained. I'm snapping. Beautiful. thing. beautiful, Charles. <laughs> you're, you're such a good poet that Quoth might hate you. Uh, thank you. That's, that's high praise. Um, you know, Patrick had all those years to, to write his intros, and I only get a few weeks, so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Let him behind the curtain. I think you only got uh, <laughs> maybe 20 minutes before this podcast started. <laughs> that's from like, should I write something? And it would be nice. So, so we, the good news is I just... Um, Deal Patrick's writing and then just swap out uh, a few nouns for our own, a few adjectives for, for sure. our own. And we're here. So welcome, everyone. As said in the intro, this is the buddy read for The Wise Man's Fear by Patrick Rothfuss, book two of the King Killer Chronicles. Here we are. Here we, we are. We made it. Charles has <laughs> caught up with the King Killer Chronicles. And yes, I'm now a... part of the discussion, or I can be part of the discussion. And we'll have some of that discussion for you listeners today. So and true. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into this. Uh, I might just read our little sort of synopsis. Uh, it's <laughs> <Our> not. <bullet points. laughs> yeah, I mean, this. Uh, this book has a pretty episodic feel to it, I think, anyway. And I pretty much just have Quoth continues telling his story to Chronicler and Vast, covering the following plot points. Uh, there's time at the university, then there's a trial that he goes through, traveling to the uh, mayor in Ventus. Uh, there's this conspiracy and political intrigue that goes on when he is over in Mintus. Then there's leading a small troop in the goal of finding and uh, ousting bandits. Then pretty quickly, we're taken <laughs> into the Fae, 
where <laughs> we're dealing with Thalorian and the evils that are the Cathay. And then we get into uh, returning back to the real world or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and then <laughs> the, uh, we head over to watch Quoth get trained in the Lathani by the Adep. And then briefly back to dealing with the mayor and his lovely wife. And then uh, we head back to the school. Back to uh, school. Yeah. And then close things out with the frame story where we're back in the Waystone Inn. It ends the, this book anyway, ends on, on something of a, temporary positive note feels like kind of the (laughs) the i guess in something that is supposed to ultimately be a tragedy this is kind of the inverse of what we get in uh like that star wars original (laughs) trilogy right it's not the empire strikes back where it's a, a disaster a tragedy no we actually get okay things are kind of on the up and up and quoth says hey you know this is things are going pretty well and i want to get started with where things end up going from here so let's just (laughs) call it a day and we'll pick this up tomorrow and uh now uh we 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 eagerly wait for tomorrow to come charles (laughs) yes we eagerly do excellent job with the summary very ambitious also to kind of give a quick comprehensive uh beat by beat uh, of this massive tome that is wise man's fear uh, sitting at like well over 1200 pages and 44 hours of audiobook it's uh no small feat to try and take that on so excellent job as people have noted the <laughs> the 44 hour audiobook goes a bit longer than one would expect from a day and uh, <laughs> then Rothfuss was quick to note that he never said how long uh, a day is in their world. That's his defense, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. Well, maybe Quill's just a fast talker, you know? He must be. He must be cranking that audio <laughs> book speed <laughs> up to 1.5, I mean more than that even and chronicler's writing in shorthand day. and you know yeah. <laughs> so it's possible who knows it was long though it <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird nitpick it's <laughs> one i'm very willing to hand wave away for the sake of an enjoyable book right <sighs> okay so how do you want to start this bad boy where do you even begin well, I think that there's a few topics that are very worth covering that we'll just make sure to bring up. And I think before we get into that, we might as well comment on pretty much all of the little sagas inside of sure. this tome, as you say. So I figure we can just go through those bullet points I listed and <laughs> I can pretty much say hey charles you got anything to say about this part uh and maybe i'll have a few things to say too and we'll see where that gets us before we dive into the the big discussion questions that we want to tackle 
All right. Okay. So that brings us to the opening of this book where Quoth is still at school. Um, pretty much right where we left off, I would say. He's, he's studying, he's at work, he's, you know, struggling for coins, all that stuff. Um, the only parts of this section that I think for me are really noteworthy, uh, the first would be the trial and Quoth's decision, like, as the storyteller to just kind of skip those parts that's in this section, right? Where he's being like, and then I got in trouble with Ambrose, and then still blah, blah, blah. The trial's over, and I'm okay. And they had a little back and forth with Chronicler about, like, you're going to skip the trial, but you, like, learned a whole new language. You did all these things. Like, yeah, but you know what? It didn't really affect the greater story that much, so there's not really much point in dwelling on it. Let's move on. And... I I, th- I thought that was kind of entertaining. I thought that was kind of appreciative also. It's like, look, we need to get from A to B, but like this stuff happens, but do we really need to dwell on it? This book is already long enough. I don't think we need to read a whole section dedicated to a trial that doesn't ultimately bear any weight to the story. So, And just as a book that's about storytelling, it's kind of fun also to be like, yeah, and then that happened and we'll just skip to the next part. So it's a it's a fun tool, I thought. I thought so too. I thought some of it was kind of quoth flexing on Chronicler that hey, this is my story that's told in exactly my words, and this is what you're gonna get. If I don't want to cover it, then you better respect that because this is the only version of the story that I'm willing to give. I I like Chronicler wanting more because it's such a legendary part of quoth's story and right the way the public has tells his story that's like a huge tale Mm -hmm. and he just wants to skip over it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i i like that i think like you're saying i think from the purpose of all this stuff that rothfuss has to get through in this book and then eventually in next book too, it's okay. I'm okay with uh, skipping over some of this stuff that, you know, do we really need a trial? We need to watch Quoth learn a language. And eh, no. I'm ready to move through it. It's also part of the brilliance of this whole series is is kind of the meta of fan- the fantasy genre also, where even Patrick as a writer is like, Let's just skip over that. I just don't need to go into any more detail than it happened and it was epic and we can move on. And I always, what makes a story about telling stories so interesting is kind of that meta aspect of it, that greater kind of, it it doesn't, this book doesn't take itself too seriously where it gets bogged down in all these epic details, like maybe a more traditional high fantasy series will be. But at the same time, while not taking itself seriously, he like Patrick puts so much work into writing this beautiful prose and, and allegories and like he does it's a 1200 page book it's insane how much work he put into it and then to just be like yeah skip that part not important let's go it's like I, I like that a lot it's a very unique refreshing uh read the other thing that I liked about this section and then I'm 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 good about talking about the school is I love when after the trial He's like, now I have to prepare for um, 
for my you know auditions for for next semester and everyone is like dude you need to leave and he's like what are you talking about he's like i i won the trial it's like no (laughs) one wants you here man you have to go and he's like i don't understand like i'm ready and it's like dude i'm tell i've I've told you three times now you need to leave (laughs) if you try and stay they'll bankrupt you (laughs) with the tuition that they set for you and like you're too hot right now you're too controversial you've kind of peaked at this moment you just need to go and I thought that was such a great moment and quote like not getting it and being like but I won the trial it's all good it's like yeah but you like do you realize that you've pissed everyone off because we're this book is entirely told through Quoth's perspective. As a reader, we might not even realize that everyone else is mad because he doesn't talk about it. It takes the subtle hints of like teachers pulling him aside and being like, you know, vacations are nice. <laughs> and then his friends being like, uh, so you're really going to stay? And it, it gets hit with him over and over. And it's one of Quoth's biggest flaws as a character in this, the way the story's told is his kind of stubborn, I'm always right attitude he's not really considering these other perspectives i just thought that was a really fun great moment that helped kind of propel the story forwards for sure i i enjoyed that too i always enjoy those aspects of (laughs) where he just can't because he's got so much self-confidence i guess right uh, that he uh, he's often very unable to see things about himself that everyone else around him can tell. And I think part of what Rothfuss is getting at there, there's a conversation he has w- at one point with, uh, uh, I don't know if he's a Galet or whatever, but that person who used to be a student at the uh, university, but now is like, got this contraband business and all that kind of stuff that both talks to who's like uh, yeah everyone knows everything this isn't a quote or anything but the sense of it was like yeah (laughs) everyone knows what like people say about someone except them themselves (laughs) yes an interesting moment for that from Quoth, and I think like you've mentioned, he's particularly vulnerable <laughs> given some of his foibles, if you will. And I I also really appreciate during that, you said teachers were po- pulling him aside and where Elksay Dahl <laughs> tells him the <laughs> ignorant Edema story. Yeah. <laughs> I love Rothfuss's stories within the stories. I think that's so... Stories within the stories within the stories, let's be right. honest. But <laughs> I love these little stories that people will tell because Rothfuss has such a talent for getting across these almost fable-like stories that teach a lesson. And the ignorant Edema, I particularly enjoyed because the point it drives home where it's that the like person trained at the university who knows all this stuff and wants to talk all this philosophy with his edema (laughs) ends up he can't swim when there's a storm at sea (laughs) right edema's like like i don't i don't know any of that like stuff that you're talking about with all the philosophy but we're in a boat and this boat goes down then 
I'm going to swim to shore. I don't know what's going to happen to you with all your book learning. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that's such a great moment. And Patrick's ability to ability to change voice uh, when he's telling these different stories is so great, too. And again, it's Quoth listens to that and he still doesn't get it. He's like, OK, cool story. What are you saying? Like, And he's like, sometimes, you know... You, vacation's not such a bad thing and he still doesn't get it and it's like dude go <laughs> be gone with you <laughs> get out of here it's such a great moment it really is well are we feeling good about heading over to ventus yeah i mean that was another great example of him like kind of brushing over a part of the story where it's like yeah that was a nightmare like you know the ship we had a shipwreck and I was living off the streets for a long time. It took me several months being destitute, lost everything. And then I got there. It was fine. I'm, I'm here now. And this is where we're like picking back up. Another good moment of like reminding us that this is a story being told and by a human being and he's picking and choosing what he wants to say. So I appreciated that. I thought it was nice. And then that brings us, yeah, that brings us to Ventus. Well, what we're dealing with here is Quoth has to deal with all the political machinations of a totally new city. He's been primed some already coming in, but he's thrown in the thick of these things and pretty quick he's dealing with that the mayor is being, from Quoth's perspective, as an arcanist, when he sees this uh, so-called healer, uh, like, giving the medicine to the mayor, he realizes that the mayor is being poisoned, and he has to try to figure out how to convey that to the mayor in a way that is... Basically, like, yeah, I know you just met me and this other guy you've trusted with your health for a really, really long time, but he's poisoning you, and right. you, you got to believe me on that, <laughs> which is an interesting... I, I, What I really appreciate about that was, I guess part of what I feel about like having read a lot of fantasy novels and like knowing the tropes and stuff is... I was almost a little confused when the mayor didn't believe him right away until I thought about it. I was like, why would he believe him right away? But I feel like in most fantasy stories, it's like, it. oh, I found out that they're poisoning you. Uh, they're poisoning you, so you like need to believe me. And the person's like, oh, thank you so much. Like, yeah, no, I know. But it's like, Rothfuss is like, no, that's not how it would work. It's like, who would you believe? Yeah. <laughs> the person who's been serving schmuck. you faithfully for years and years and years. And yeah. Or this guy that literally, this is like one of the first times you're meeting him. I also thought it was a nice, you know, little twist and a little intrigue in the story also. I was very interested in this in this development. It's also kind of starts to show you a little bit about Quoth's development and his his personal growth where we know he's had huge issues with dealing with important people nobility teachers uh where he, like he's 
really upset teachers in the past and that's like he just immediately would up try and upstage them or say they were wrong and try and teach that's the class the yeah you know he would just mouth off to the noble son the baron's son so like he's had several of these experiences already and to see him actually take a moment to pause and make an adjustment is an interesting thing to see. You can tell he's growing a little bit. I mean, he still <laughs> falls into those same problems. He's still quoth, but at least, you know, he is able to kind of recognize it a little bit. So I thought that was kind of a really interesting moment in the story to be like, okay, quoth is starting to come into his own a little bit. He's starting to learn from his mistakes, which is a hard thing for him to do. So it was a really interesting delve into like this whole conspiracy. It's like, there's this added element of like, oh, I can't, upset the nobility he's the only like he could throw me out of here in two seconds so i really gotta rely on like logic and reasoning with this guy to convince him otherwise and for all intents and purposes the mayor was very patient with him like maybe more patient (laughs) than like he deserved at times especially when like the birds weren't dying and things like that and it was uh (laughs) was a close one there Oh yeah, that was that was touch and go, and it's funny because Quoth is a little rash at times, as we've talked about. To see times where he just like says something, and I wouldn't even be that alarmed because it's just like so like Quoth to have said whatever outlandish thing he'll come out with. But I'm also reminded that oh wait he's talking to a guy who's one of the most powerful people in this world and even quoth has those moments internally too where he's like oh wait i i probably shouldn't have (laughs) said that in that way yeah he comes to regret it he's like maybe this was coming in a little too hot like (laughs) how much evidence how much evidence did i really have that this is what was happening you know so that was a fun part where it's like, I can't even trust. I don't even know if I was right about this whole thing. So it's kind of another element to this short little mystery story that was thrown in at the first quarter of this book. For sure. I think we, so we deal with that. We also deal with him helping uh, the mayor or court Mellowin Lackless. I know there's a lot there, all these I might as well start talking about this now. Uh, the all the Reddit theorists out there and whatnot, who I, who I believe I'm on the same page with them, uh, think that she Mellowin Lackless is probably Quoth's aunt. Um, so she hates the Edema Rue because her sister ran off with a Rue. There's mm-hmm. uh, I think back in Name of the Wind. Uh, there's a, maybe it was early in this book though I can't remember there's a poem uh, or not a poem it would never be a poem a yeah, song no. that Quoth's father uh, <laughs> wrote uh, about his wife uh, that she got so mad at that she made him uh, uh, oh god I can't remember it's like sleep under the <laughs> I don't remember caravan or whatever it was like uh, but anyway the uh, song is Dark Lorian uh, Arladin's wife has a face like the blade of a knife, has a voice like a prickle brown burr, but can tally a sum like a moneylender. My sweet tally cannot cook, but she keeps a tidy ledger book. For all her faults, I do confess 
it's worth my life to make my wife not tally a lot less. <laughs> and uh, some people have noted that Melwin's older sister who ran off with an Adima Rue is known as, uh, not known as, is was named Natalia Lackless. So this bit about Interesting. not tally a lot less. Um, and some of the other things I mentioned, like the fact that Melwin is... Uh, noted by quote to like be eerily familiar looking but we're not exactly sure why when he's uh, thinking through it and i mean that song is pretty uh, telling and the fact that she got so upset about it and he literally calls her my sweet tally in the song right Uh, um, it's cleverly written so we don't really think much of it but when it's first drop but it's uh, no I, I actually hadn't considered that but it, it makes sense i i'm subscribed to that theory for sure yeah it it feels to me like the level of uh, the you know john's parentage theories that were going around before the show uh confirmed what most people thought where it's right. like almost reached a point where there's too much in there to not say oh yeah well that one we pretty much can take for granted that that one's true right and we can work from there exactly and another interesting for me kind of foreshadowing moment that happens during all of this is of course we who who do we run into almost too conveniently but our old pal denna Denna pops Denna. Denna pops in. He just bumps into her. This massive city that has like multiple levels and t- tons of people. He bumps right into her, literally. And I always thought that that was kind of suspicious. And they're talking and she's like, oh yeah, my patron is here. And all of a sudden the patron pops back up for the first time in this book, I believe. He had been like missing. He'd been MIA or she had been MIA until now when they're in Vintus. And then she keeps mentioning, she's like, oh, he has me researching like genealogy and like the histories of families, which we know Quoth was talking to Codicus about, the poisoner. He was like, yeah. that was that was Quoth's cover story for um, going in and, and talking to him to get information about Lackless uh, to help him, to help the mayor court uh to court Lady Lackless there. So I was like, that's way too much of a coincidence. And then I pulled a quote. This is from Dennis, where they're talking about the patron. She says, who knows? Running in the circles you do, you may have already met my patron and not even known it. And Denna always likes to speak in really cryptic stuff and she, in like poetic terms and things like that. Everything has multiple meanings with her or she has a very knowing way of saying things. And this is just in line with like, maybe she knows something, maybe not. She's always playing at something and all these things put together. Plus the description of her red lips. <laughs> it's like all of those moments coming together. I'm like, this is way too coincidental and way too cryptic for me to not suspect something. I- and I'm not sure what it is. I'm not smart enough to deduce anything at this point, but I'm like, something's going on here. Like Patrick is dropping clues left and right in these moments in, in Ventus that um, for sure 
it's, I can speak to that a little bit, sure. at least what kind of theories people throw out in the communities and whatnot. So a lot of people think that the uh, that her patron is Braden, the guy that both plays Tack with. And, oh. Yeah. So he is very cryptic too about what his actual role and everything is. And he disappears around the same time that Dennis as her patron is gone. And he is also gone, I believe, when Quoth runs into one of the Chandrian out in the bandit stuff. Right. So some people even think that Brayden is, I, I believe, Heliax, if I'm not messing that one up. Um, but so that's a that's a big theory. The extent to which Denna does or doesn't know things, I'm very like I. It's hard to tell. Right. Um, there's some reason to believe that, like, so Denna also doesn't talk about her past. Some people think that like Denna is almost the like quoth equivalent on the side of like she thinks the Amir are like the bad guys uh, while Quoth thinks the Chandrian are the bad guys. Maybe the Amir killed Denna's parents. This is all speculation, right? right? But whatever Denna's tragic past is, maybe the Amir did to her what uh, uh, the Chandrian did to Quoth. So it's kind of like Denna in a lot of ways is Quoth's mirror image and maybe she's chasing revenge on the Amir and thinking the Chandrian are the like her key to that while Quoth is is doing the opposite. So there's some things to believe around that. There's also that the the whole Natalia uh, Lockless bit, there's even people who speculate, I don't think this is true, there's people who speculate <laughs> that Denna is Natalia Lockless and they'll draw, which take note that Natalia is Milowin's older sister, but there's also mention from, uh, oh God, maybe it's Diak, who says in Name of the Wind that Denna hasn't seemed to age in the entire time that he's known her. Yeah. So like some weird stuff going on. Mm-hmm. What exactly it is, I, I think, though I've, I've probably, you know, haven't read these books already and, and scoured the internet to learn some stuff. I've got some hints here but it's hard to put it all together yes uh, denna's mysterious past is definitely a, some sort of clue into like who she, who is she who is she really like she's constantly changing her name is another thing so no one knows like her real name so there's this whole mystery built around her we also know that they have a falling out and she's not present at the waystone inn so that is also a clue and her patron who I firmly believe Quoth has already met at this point by the end of this book. I, yes, I, I think that's fair to say. I think that quote, like, who knows, maybe you you might have already met my patron and not even known it, is too on the nose to not be true. So I honestly think that we've encountered um, her patron. So then the idea is, like, is Denna a tool being used by someone or is she the one pulling the strings like that's another thing i'm not sure on like denna mysteriously appears before quoth is even 
a story people are telling. Like it's not until he actually gets to the uh, university and earns gets given three talents that he starts to earn some notoriety for himself. So the fact that he runs into Denna before any of that and then she pops up afterwards is also something kind of unusual. You you wonder what exactly is going on here and it's not enough clues for me to deduce it myself but me, uh, it, i'm sure it's all in here so it's a, one of the more interesting things that keeps me guessing like what is going on with with denna like it's too too convenient at times too suspicious at times too knowing at times for me not to be like something very a larger a larger like conspiracy is going on <laughs> that's plotting sure. something and what it is i, I can't say it's hard to say and I think there's, it has the feel of something that when book three comes out will seem inevitable in retrospect, but right, because it's so clear that something's going on there. And we also know that Denna plays a critical part in how things end up where they end up, not just because of the fact that she's one of the main characters in this story, but also because one thing's chronicler says when he first arrives is, uh, Hey, uh, I heard there was a, a girl or a woman. I don't know what he says. Uh, and quoth is like, what do you know of her? Like, yeah. you know, like how could you know anything of her kind of way? Um, uh, so that's, <laughs> that remains to be seen. And, and I think there's so much more we could talk about here, but I, I want to keep us rolling yes. uh, past the, the stuff with the mayor. It's just a testament to Patrick's writing where he can keep the mystery alive. And even after it's gone under as much scrutiny as it has, there's still nothing that concrete and we're all eagerly awaiting. So I just think it's yep. what makes this one of the masterworks of modern fantasy is when you can face as much scrutiny as thousands of fantasy fans on the internet and still come out you know with a solid mystery that's a achievement in its own well said charles thank you let's uh let's take a trip into the woods and <laughs> <laughs> we've got quoth in charge of a small troop here we got a, yeah. a little new cast of characters and something a little more traditional in fantasy also like a troop yeah. on the trails you know it's kind of a quest type feel to it yeah the mayor just was like dude i can only take so much of you right now you have to go <laughs> it's like what everyone seems to do with poor quote is just like uh, uh, dude it's you were interesting at first but <laughs> it's like i gotta live my life now <laughs> so He's almost like, <laughs> he he, and it's funny how Quoth doesn't like really piece it together until he's already like <laughs> on the trails and he's like, wait a second, <laughs> he's getting rid of me this whole time. He didn't think I was like the only man for the job. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I, so I either die or I succeed and either way he's happy. <laughs> so, yep. There's a beautiful quote that stanchion says early on describing quote which is young six string here is so sharp he can hardly help but cut himself yeah. <laughs> i was like that's, yeah that's good that's quote <laughs> and so too true. clever by half i think he's described as at other points right i think i i love those aspects of quote some people i guess uh, you 
you know, we had our Mary Sue conversation in our last episode, uh, or not our last episode, the uh, name of the wind episode from two weeks ago. Right. And uh, we, yeah, uh, we <laughs> we have our own thoughts on that. Uh, <laughs> and you can tune that episode to find out. But I, I love these aspects of Quoth. Yes, it definitely some of the bigger flaws of his character, for sure. It's his, it's himself. <laughs> A perfect flaw to have for someone that's considerably infallible, you know? Well, then, I mean, there's a there's a fun little dynamic to this troop, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I, I think I like seeing new characters, and you're reminded how great, like you like to say, Charles, how great Rothfuss is with just developing voices for characters. Yes. Because... I mean, like Daydan and all of them have such clear, distinct voices. Yes, I really appreciate that. No, I, I was, I was pretty interested in the. It seemed kind of like a B plot, but I was like, you know, we're getting a little adventure. Quoth is actively doing something. Um, it's, it's an interesting little side story, and I always loved. Another thing I love about Rothfuss's writing is his use of perspective. So we see a lot of these characters, like, you know, when Patrick creates all these characters, he obviously knows everything about them, but then he presents them through the point of view of Quoth. And it's really interesting. Like when we first meet Tempe or Temp- Tempe, how are we going to say his name? T-E-M-P-I. Tempe. Tempe. It, it's like where all these things seem like antisocial and unusual and then more light gets shed on it and and then we actually get to the ADEM. And so I very much appreciate how everything's told through Quoth's perspective when we go through this discovery and all these, he's like, he didn't even realize like they were in love and like the other two characters were in love and then he's like, why doesn't someone just tell them? And it's like, hello? (laughs) (laughs) How many people have tried to tell you about Dennis? So it's just like a really interesting um, dynamic that happens in, in, in this, in this section of the story. And it's always fun to be reminded of this is all through Quoth's perspective. There's still a lot we don't know about these characters that, that a lot we still have to understand. I loved seeing Tempe portrayed. Uh, this was my first reread of it. So this is the first time I got to see how Tempe is portrayed when I already know why he's so fidgety, as right. Quoth is describing, or why he won't make eye contact and all this stuff. And I I think it really helped me appreciate how masterful Rothfuss is as at doing exactly what you're describing, Charles, rolling out the facets of a character of a whole race of, of people about. too, a whole culture. Yeah. Rothfuss was very restrained in all of that. For sure. He does it <laughs> and I I mentioned our last episode or I keep saying that. I mentioned our name of the wind episode that Rothfuss has the gift of of patience in his writing. Yes, and uh, that's that is how we end up with an eleven hundred plus page <laughs> book. Right. But it's also how we get to see him just masterfully unveil uh, the uh, the Adam and their and see us like change our perspectives of people as we come to know them. Like I always loved how he gets to the Adam for like. Tempe, like you were taught from Tempe, that guy sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. Too. <laughs> it's like, well, he's not particularly bright. Yeah. Uh, it's like... 
So he, I mean, he failed the test like five times or whatever it was. You know, <laughs> it was like it, it's funny to see the one that was like his teacher is considered for the most part like an unimpressive individual at the uh, at the school. So those I kind of things, or it's like, oh, okay, we find like Tempe's just a dude, which kind of is is like quote where it's like you're portrayed as this great person. It's like, oh, he's this guy at an inn waiting to die. It's like there's a difference between what we perceive and then what this person goes on to be like in their actual lives. So I thought that was all really fantastic. And all that was built in this, in this troop bandits section. It's good stuff. Yeah. Then <laughs> pretty quick after they take down the bandits and, and later, I guess we find out that one, from the Cathay that uh, one of the, that the bandit leader was one of the Chandrian. Right. It was kind of telling um, when, like, they the barely reacted to an arrow going through his leg and stuff like that. Like, yeah. the way he was written, he was just a more stoic, like, knowing type of character. So, it was, it was a good, it was an interesting little, little bit of spice to that plot line. And then we end up with Quoth chasing Florian into the Fae. And oh this is, <laughs> I mean, this is something that gets brought up constantly about this book. Um, it's, you know, it's a relatively small portion of the book compared to how frequently it's talked about. I think that's fair to say. And I'll, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got some thoughts about uh the the time with Florian I'm wondering uh what your reaction to this time was in your first read Charles right okay well on my first read it it seemed like all of a sudden like they turned a corner and there was was the fae and I was like wait what is happening so it turned on a dime but I'm fine with that he he runs in and then it turns into this like romp I I could see how people would be kind of um, turned off by it and like, what is this? It's kind of gratuitous. A lot of people th- throw on the word wish fulfillment, like, and yeah, like the the whole point of it is he goes into this fairy world and just uh, um, has relations with a fairy for gosh only knows how long. It, 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 like it seems like it's removed from time. He just spent all this time, like having having sex with this fairy creature and you know it, it was very elaborate and long and it all the focus was kind of on that but for me this is the reason it was kind of played out was because i think it's a really interesting again part of this telling of what's happening on the larger picture because this is the first time besides maybe our encounters with the chandrian that the stories are coming to life in the narrative where it's like yeah we've encountered the chandrian twice at this point but besides that we haven't really overlapped these kind of fantasy elements of this these old tales to what's real and now we have the flory and the fey and i think a huge telling moment in, in this thing is how the fey kind of reacts like a whole a whole section of this book and the, the, the king killer chronicles is wrapped around the telling of tarberlin the great and the fae has no idea who that is and for me that like there's a moment specifically where she's like i don't know anything about that guy but i do know these other things so for me like there were clues being dropped in about what part of those epic tales are 
the fabrications and what part are the facts. So in, in that sense, I was very interested in it. And then, of course, we, the, 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 the demon tree she run, he runs into is, is the really Cathay. the Cathay is such a great moment. And he gets the shadow cloak, uh, which is also a great moment. And then, I mean, he is at this point still like a teenager, I think, or late teens, yep. early 20s. So we don't know. It's interesting because of the time stuff of right they do the mention that it's like how, how old is he, he is now there. it's like we don't know how old he is now but when he goes in he is not yet 17 i think still so he is uh presumably at least 17 by the end of this whole thing right but, and i mean that's an age where you know sexuality is a pretty dominant part of your inner monologue i would suppose so it's like you know it's it's in line with his age and where he is in terms of maturity wise, like he had no experience with women at all. And he, it goes from zero to a hundred, like really fast. And that's sure. an interesting part of quotes, character development as well. So I can see why people were ups, upset with how much description went into it. It didn't bother me at all. I was like, this is a fantastical part of the story. And it's, it's, um, it's it, it's there for several reasons, and I I think sexuality is just a part of this. It's basically you, we forget he's a teenager, so he's coming of age and he's learning all these things. So I was okay with it, and there's a lot about it I really liked too. Outside of that stuff, I'm okay with it too. I mean, I'll say there were times where it was a little, it dragged on a little too long for yeah. me. It was a little much. Just some of the things that seeing Rothfuss's incredible descriptive talents applied to some of the things that were going down with Valorian uh, were a little much for me, I'll say. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't love this part. I'm not going to come in hot with some of the takes that you'll hear from other people about it. <laughs> I, I, I don't think, I think it serves a purpose. It's just not my favorite part. And I think, why do we always have to be on the same page? <laughs> a little controversy <laughs> would be nice every once in a while, but no, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, just tell if you criticize Denna, then uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> I'll freak out. So <laughs> I'll keep that in mind later on in the discussion. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Uh, the Cathay is a super important part of the story i believe i want to touch on i love that. this part it's uh i i think it's really interesting and i'll say there so there's a line to describe what the cathay does which is that it it basically can see every future so it can just act in a way where it tells you the thing that would most mess up the world and that's basically <laughs> what it most wants is to most mess up the world so i I think Bass describes it as uh, anyone influenced by the Cathay is like a plague ship sailing for a harbor. So it's just sending a torpedo on the world. And that torpedo is quoth. And it's an interesting, it's definitely fantastical. It's interesting to kind of really put the nail in the coffin. I think of this idea of like, look, you're trying to say that, 
this is a, a tragedy by doing the frame story and all this kind of stuff. So that's something. And maybe people are holding out some hope. Like, all right, maybe Quoth will turn it around and all this kind of stuff. And this is Rothfuss, I think, just trying to say, okay, is it enough for you if I say that there's literally a magical being in a tree that is doomed quoth yeah. to the worst possible f- and the world really in a lot of ways to the worst possible fate it could conjure up is that enough to tell you this here is a tragedy and there's a beautiful beautiful line uh that quoth or it's kind of a conversation that quoth has uh where he says uh, it's Quoth looked at Bast for a long moment. Oh, Bast, he says awfully to his student. His smile was gentle and sad. I know what sort of story I'm telling. This is no comedy. This is the end of the story, Bast. We all know that. Quoth's voice was, a matter of fact, as casual as if he were describing yesterday's weather. I've led an interesting life, and this reminiscence has a certain sweetness to it. But, Quoth drew a deep breath and laid out gently. But this is not a dashing romance. This is no fable where folk come back from the dead. It's not a rousing epic meant to stir the blood. No, we all know what kind of story this is. Yeah, it's such a great moment. That moment where they have to do the interlude because Bast is so overwhelmed with the idea that he spoke to the tree. It's like... That's one of the one of my favorites in the whole book because now you perceive Quoth as as tainted now. I mean, he goes on and mm-hmm. to do a lot of happy stuff, but he's this tree has irreversibly kind of tainted his his actions, all of his actions, and really all he said was like, "Yes, um, uh, Denna's patron beats her, and no, she's not in <laughs> in Ventus anymore." That's really all. The tree said, right? The tree didn't say much else. I I think it's mostly that. I think, I can't remember, but, but the idea is that, right, the tree knew exactly the things to say. And it comes were, back to that Denna. That would most, it's, of course. Of course. <laughs> so this whole, the plot thickens at this point of like, why is it all come down on Denna that, it's it's like it's frame it's a framed on the oh quoth just really likes denna and so that's why it's so devastating to hear these things but it's knowing rothfist there's a whole nother level to it that um for sure we're not privy to yet so it'll be really interesting to see all those kind of click into place and go back and reread all these clues like we did with uh sanderson and miss born it's like oh you were working on these clues for a very long time so uh yeah love love that moment and that's gonna this is gonna be a very telling moment with how all the kind of reveals will be laid out i think you're right on point with that one charles beautiful then we if we're we're good on flooring the fey and the cathay then we can come back (laughs) to the real world (laughs) and head over to uh, train with the 8m because that's a that's a while that that takes place i think where he follows tempe back and, and it is quite a while and learns of the lathani of course yes any uh, th- uh thing you want to mention about that time there um for the most part i was kind of i mean i liked it all obviously um but there was a lot about the adem and the lathani that you know, I actually wasn't 
super on board with like the Lathani itself I think is kind of just like whatever where it's like oh it's this and it isn't this it's the way the river flows and the 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 path of I'm like what whatever dude I like it's fine like <laughs> so all of that and that like holier than thou stuff of like oh we figured it out but we're also like super weird in a lot of ways and like we'll banish people and kill people and whatever so I'm like you're not perfect but the part that I really enjoyed was Quoth's uh, trial, his first trial with the tree, with the sword. Is it the sword tree or the? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty epic. I love that. Where like it's that it's just that classic like high fantasy thing of like he's doing the trial and he comes up with a clever way to to have the perfect story tale ending to, to his trial where he yep. he just lets the like he calls the name of the wind and is able to do everything perfectly and he gets to the tree and then he just decides to go back with nothing and let himself get cut by the tree on his hand yep. of all his places to bleed for them his bleeding and also he's he's had this fear of his hands getting damaged uh, uh yep. his whole Great life and that even like they notice when he's fighting it's like why are you like pulling back and he's like it's my fingers you know and, and then it's and it's like your reserve is is problematic for us and then he's like well if i'm gonna get cut let's get cut on my hand as you know the placement not only the fact that he let himself get cut but the fact that it was on his hand was a beautifully poetic moment and i, and I love those moments so that was one of the best moments in the whole book but i did feel like you know i wasn't all on board with the Lathani and the Adem and the way their society structured and them as characters in a culture. I was like, yeah, not There's my... some stuff. I was also not completely by, I have a hard time with this idea that they wouldn't have a few, a few of their attitudes around sex and around the it's so bizarre the idea that there's like no such thing as fathers. I, I kind of wasn't buying. Yeah, their whole philosophy of science is like, now. well, we're so busy doing this other stuff that who cares about science? <laughs> it's like, what? The minute guns get invented, your society's in trouble. <laughs> the idea of a society that everyone's having sex all the time but has no. <laughs> no diseases getting passed around like explicitly that that was worked in yeah that there's like no stds in the entire population but they all have sex all the time i don't know it's a little idyllic for me all this that i was like it was an interesting idea where it's like we've overcome our weird emotional entanglements with sex so that we can all just kind of be cool (laughs) <laughs> but, I do like but, that. Which it was an interesting, thought-provoking idea. But the rest of it, where it's like, uh, where do babies come from, and like STDs <laughs> don't exist, it's like, what? Okay. And I felt like all the discussions around the Lathani weren't very helpful, and there was a lot of them. I mean, I get the whole idea of like you're supposed to kind of let your mind go and just kind of go with the flow, and the actual specifics of it aren't what's important because the name is always changing and all that stuff so like, i kind of get it but it didn't make for a particularly interesting section of, of stuff that was happening i was like can we just get past this already I, I did like some of the characters i liked the um the 
the wise older lady with the with the funny hat. You know, I was Shan. yeah, I was into that, and I liked the little kid, and you know, <laughs> to the hat. Oh, I'll say. So I want to uh, follow your lead there, Charles. Yeah, please say the <laughs> we ought to move on uh, quick. But I also want to say, as you mentioned, uh, the girl is that. <laughs> For all those quoth is a Mary Sue truthers out there, I dare you to find me another Mary Sue that gets their ass kicked by a 10-year-old girl <laughs> over and over again. Exactly. And, you know, let, let's move on. But with this one thing, another section of this book that I really loved was he's telling the story and then um, Bast leaves the inn and those Kingsguard guys come in and just beat the crap out of him. Like... That Absolutely destroy point. Quoth. So it's like here he is telling the story about how he like, well, this actually takes place way later. But when he goes back to the mayor of where he just like he kills like seven people and he's mastered this foreign thing in a very short amount of time. And it's like hand fighting is so perfect and he can call the name of the wind. He's got like a shade cloak. And yet like two random guys just come up and bully him and steal his money and kick his face in, in with no problems. And then Quoth just kind of accepts the defeat. He's such a broken guy at this point. He's just like, yeah, that that was embarrassing or whatever. And like kept going. And you're like, so for all those people who's saying he's a Mary Sue, like think about this now. Because you have a guy who's telling these stories about how great he is. And then the first chance we actually get in the real world to kind of test his because you're like, oh, Quoth, here's where Quoth is like, guys, you don't want to do this. And then like by barely moving his hand, he he incapacitates them because he had the training from the Adem but no he goes to attack them and then they just kick him in the face and he he goes down it's like what happened you don't just like forget all this crazy stuff like maybe he never had it in the first place so now that was a moment that I love that back at the Waystone Inn after he gets all this fighting training it just gets brutalized beat down you do a great job of showing how it contrasts with what we would expect as Rothfuss often does mm-hmm. with playing with some of these tropes and, and knowing that Quoth in his story is so great at everything than just <laughs> this time, right, where Quoth is going to become Quoth again and <laughs> like you said, with just a flick of his hand, yeah. beat all these people up. But he's, he, instead, he's the one that gets beat up and it'll be interesting to see down the line how much of this is more driving home the point of the unreliable narrator and how much of this is that Quoth literally is not capable of a lot of the things that he was capable of before. Exactly. I mean, we've read so many negative reviews of this book that have these kind of complaints of like, oh, of course he's the best and he goes on. And it's like, well, there's a lot that's that goes unsaid in this series, which I really love. Uh, I know a lot, there's a lot Me of fantasy too. books that can't help themselves, but you know, explain everything. Rothfuss is very, very reserved in what he's writing. Like he relies on you as the reader to kind of get the subtext. A lot of that is like, I see a lot of that when I'm reading Denna and all the like, the the hidden meanings behind her. And then also all these Waystone Inn interludes are a huge part of that. And for all those people that can have complaints about, oh, quote is like all powerful and stuff. It's like, you have to read between the lines that we're not at the point where we reveal what's really happening here. So I'm not sure if we're reading that story, if that story is real or not, you know, and, and if that doesn't sound interesting to you, then this book is not for you. But I mean, it's hard to 
give him criticism for that when that's like the whole point of the story is seeing everything through quotes perspective until we reveal like what actually is is happening um so and that's just a great scene to kind exactly. of remind people of like you think someone that like went through all these trials at this school and learned how to fight with his hands would be able to get beat up by two random Kingsguard soldiers. And he even got the first punch in, you know, he like got a sucker punch in and still lost. It's like, okay, well, what's happening? You know, this is a very telling scene for us. He does say, I think, that he forgot who he was for a moment or something like that. And I believe he tries to use sympathy and it doesn't work. So there's there's a few things there where we're like, okay, there's... Yeah, I mean, I one of the things I suspected was that he purposely like threw the match so that he doesn't reveal himself as someone that could take on two Kingsguard, you know, (laughs) where it's like, wait, so you beat both of them up and you're fine. (laughs) Like it may have been a moment (laughs) to protect his identity, but I don't think so, though. I I doubt it's I think it's a combination of what we've been talking about, the unreliable because he does say I forgot myself for a second there, which could mean like, oh, I can't like reveal who i i I can't draw too much attention to myself Uh, by beating these guys up but i honestly don't think he could (laughs) i yeah i i think the same thing and he i mean it's pretty clear he can't use sympathy anymore at the very least and i think i don't know i think we'll find out a lot more in book three with this whole thing it's it's very interesting right um, um all right well then if we're we're good on the adem then we're going back like quote did to ventus to see the mayor just briefly just uh enough time to horribly insult his wife yes. and uh <laughs> and maybe quotes aunt yes uh, i mean by... there was this whole moment where he he fights the the fake the fake oh, um, musician yeah, crew in, uh, and yeah. he returns the daughters True. to the to the um the village and they tell this whole story about him and he feels guilty uh-huh. about it at first and then it's like you know what they were horrible people I actually don't feel bad i do really like that plot line and this also happened right before um Quoth got his face kicked in at the Waystone Inn, too, I think. Like, he, he killed all those people, and then they had the interlude, maybe? I can't remember. I can't remember where that was I feel placed, like it was after. I'll, but, I'll believe you. But I feel like that all happened. So that was a a fun interlude there. Um, and it, it kind of builds. It's the kind of the... It was built up from the last book, I think, where they tell the story at the campfire of how, like, the... Of how troops work, and you ask for wine like three times and you refuse it or whatever that whole song and dance is so that was just a fun moment um we can keep going for the sake of time since we're already like circling the drain there's so much more to talk about but i just didn't want to leave that behind that's a fun moment for sure well i think we we get him back to the mary insults his his (laughs) aunt probably right and then he is whisked away. It has a little bit of a feel, I think, of, all right, we're, we're kind of done here. We need to get him out of here. Um, so Rothfuss doesn't waste time over there. And Also back to his biggest to, flaw of uh, upsetting people more sure. influential than him. It's not new ground 
for Quoth. I think it's totally justified that when pressed, he, you know, he tries to keep his composure a little bit, but when pressed, he says something he regrets. I, mean, I don't know if he regrets that one, but he says something that is pretty brazen. Um, we've seen this. I mean, he's, he did to Denna earlier. Did it to um, Ambrose. He's done, he's done it to just about every person he can. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so he's, he's out of there. I don't know if there's anything you really want to touch there's on. There's the box with that. no lid or hinge or anything, yep. which was the introduction to that. In the timeline, this is the first time Quoth is interacting with this box. It, it, it's mentioned twice before it's mentioned at the very beginning of the book actually when i went back to write this new intro it mentions like the third silence when it's talking about uh-huh. quoth he's like staring at the box and you know, that's also how the book ends and then there's a section where he pulls bast aside he's like how would you open this box and bast tries and yep. can't and but this is their first time in like chronologically that quoth encounters I'm assuming it's the same box, but it's not mentioned explicitly. It's probably the same box. It's the same kind of box anyway of it's like, oh, there's something inside here. What is it? And so that's worth bringing up as well. So that's the lacklist box. And Mm. Quoth is. So if Quoth's mother is Natalia Lockless, then Quoth is himself at least half Lockless. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's, I think some of the connection here that he has some sort of familial right to that box. And yep. some people think that what's in the box is actually Quoth's name. Oh, so we have yes. Elodin who has, you know, he freaks out when Quoth asks him that question about, Oh, what, <laughs> what happens? Uh, or what would you think of someone who keeps changing their name? And he thinks, Oh, like, like dinner, <laughs> did fellow do this? Like, Oh no. And they was like, Oh, calling names. Like just the things we call each other. Oh yeah. No, that's probably someone who's like insecure or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so then he, uh, so some people think that part of why Quoth is coat and a shell of a man at this point is that he's uh, he's actually not like Quoth or who, what his actual name was anymore. He's he's deposited that in this box. Right. And then another thing I'd want to bring up about all of this is he get he gets like a wooden ring from Lockless that basically yep. is like I hate you, and he keeps it. And I always like I texted you earlier too. I'm like these rings are perfect for you know the Arcanists to kind of use because it's a piece of metal with symbols on it. Which is exactly what they use for um, what's it called when they make stuff with the symbols? Sigildry. Yeah, Sigildry. It's like prime for that, and we know that that the suspected poisoner Codicus was an arc- a trained arcanist. So for me, I'm like these rings are there's something about these rings that I think is going to come back, and I wouldn't be surprised if any of those rings that he had kept or held onto were in some way. Uh, linked to the people trying to track him or whatever. That's just kind of a conspiracy theory by me. It's an interesting observation. Because I'm like, how can they not be? I mean, he's describing it like a piece of metal with something written on it, which is what all these, you know, pieces of Syllergy are. So, and it can only be a little bit, and maybe it's only doing something really small, like listening to what he's saying or tugging him or who knows like it's hard to say i don't know how it all works but it made me suspicious um so there's also there's also the yellish knots uh yes denna's uh uh, her braid that she's in her braid yes 
So there's some there's some stuff going on. Hard to say yeah, exactly. There's what. some stuff going on. Who knows how important it ends up being? And then he also meets with Brayden again, and he 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 gives Brayden yep. all that information. Like he confides Brayden, in Brayden. Back. Yeah, Brayden is back. That's true. Gets all the information. Um, knows everything Quoth knows about the rings and all that other stuff. So all that stuff. Again, I'm not smart enough to, to to like deduce anything, but I am very suspicious of all of it, which I think anyone reading it would be. But um, that's the only stuff I wanted to say about when he's back with the mayor, and then. Um, Thanks for bringing that up, Charles. Yeah. We make it back to the university, and basically, we so we run into Denna again. Yeah. Uh, during all that, we have that scene where she is. Uh, having trouble breathing. This is something that has been built a lot with Denna, like that she had pneumonia as a child and she has these moments. Mm. Quoth tells her seven words. I didn't write them down, but I think it's, I need you to breathe for me. That's seven. So something I I like it. that. Yeah. Um, and she notes that it's seven words. And, and he, he okay. like whispers in her ear. It's very symbolic of calling someone by their name, but I, yep. so it's a very interesting moment and a very convenient and return for Denna again. So it's like, how many times does she have to conveniently pop up for us to start getting a little suspicious? I think we're, sus- we're pretty suspicious, Charles. We just don't know what it is. And Dang you, Patrick. then we get kind of this date uh, that they go on and uh, Quoth and Denna at one point and I, you know, they kind of flirt and, and quoth says like something a little a little weakly tells her like to love him or something like she's like asked what she's supposed to do and he's like trying to be kind of clever but then he says it weakly and then she at least he perceives her as being kind of offended by this and she he gives her back her ring and then she, I think, takes his hand but doesn't hold it or something like that is how it's described. Right. And that's how Quoth perceives anyway. And I don't know. that. Uh, I literally had to – you remember when I told you you finished the book and I was like, I've got three chapters left? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe that that was uh, right after I read that chapter and I was like legitimately – I get so – I was like heartbroken. <laughs> I, these moments killed me. Too. It was very much a will they, won't they moment where it's like, Ugh. finally they're like starting to, you know, they're down to their skivvies or whatever and they're in the pool and everything's <laughs> wet. And <laughs> it's like, it's like is, is this the uh, moment, you know? It hurts, Charles. But Quoth can't help himself. I mean, but also, like neither can, like Denna is also like, it's hard to say how much is just what Quoth perceives and how much is Denna, but it's like, uh, I don't know, the two of them, just like, they want each other so bad until the other shows some sort of clear sign that they want them, and it's like, Denna, at least in Quoth's perception, is like, backs off a little bit as soon as he says something that might be perceived as like a legitimate, hey, like, I'm into you. So, it's, uh, I don't know. It's so tough. I mean, it's a really, I think, honest and well-written portrayal of like young love. These they're teenagers, right? For whatever it's reason, tough. Quoth feels very reserved and um, 
doesn't want to be a guy that puts moves on Denna and Denna's not just going to be the one that comes out and be, to be so forward so it's just like they're always kind of stuck <laughs> in that in that weird space so yeah it's tough we get uh fella <laughs> debriefs everyone on this whole thing after that and then uh i don't know if there's anything else you want to mention about the stuff we get back at school quote gets better at naming yep he's got all his money problems figured out yeah um it's um there's the new headmaster which or what do they call it's not a headmaster it's like a the new uh, leader it starts with a c i think yeah I the know new like talking the about. new yeah whatever. it's only with a c right I, yeah it's uh, something with the c whatever but uh it's it's <laughs> It's um the professor he's had the worst relationship with like Hem Hemmer something Hem just Hem H E M E yeah so that happened and that's kind of where like the story ends uh, with being yeah. like yeah and then he came and he gave me a huge tuition but but whatever situation I worked out with the guy I get half of it <laughs> so so I'm like rich now uh, it's like half of it over ten talents. Which that was uh, an interesting, an interesting deal he managed to work in. Oh, it's Chancellor, by the way. Chancellor. They're called Chancellor. Yeah, so he works that in because, yeah, he he basically can flub his he can flub his entrance exam, and then he can have the mayor. The worse back he does, yeah, like the more the mayor is going to pay the school so it's like a good uh a good, a good arrangement situation for both parties yeah so, so let's see does anything else back... happen in those moments i don't that worth i, don't think I mean anything that warrants mentioning and i still want to get to our like two of our discussion points. yeah okay so let's just wrap it up to the end we're back at the waystone in quoth can't open the darn box and bast is doing some pieces. sketchy stuff yeah yeah we get um some good discussion between Bast and uh, Chronicler where they're talking about like, okay, well the Cathay is going to mess everything up, but there's some good journey over destination type talk where um, God, I thought I had it down somewhere, but I, I'm not finding it, but there's some great, there's a great quote in there that, that it's like chronicler says to bast uh, that's like look they can't uh, like the Cathay can do all this messed up stuff but the Cathay can't make fruit not taste good to you like oh Cathay i do remember that make, yeah it's like it can't it didn't stop you from making your reshi laugh today those are some of the lines i remember from it and uh, it's like if the Cathay could really make everything absolutely horrible and terrible, then like nothing would be good. So we can at least have these moments. And it's like, kind of about savoring that. Yeah, maybe I the destination might suck, but we do have these moments. Yeah, Chronicler kind of talks good. Bast down, <laughs> being like, yep. he spoke to the tree and that's bad, but there's lots of good <laughs> going on still in life that we can enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, that was a great moment. So. Then, if we're we're 
good. Uh, oh, so Bath does some Bast does some sketchy stuff where it looks like he was maybe he hired the. Uh, we don't know exactly why, but it seems like maybe he hired those soldiers or he made a deal with those soldiers because he thought maybe it would like bring out Quoth if right. uh, they threatened him. But it, that backfired if that was the plan. And it's Bast, not explicitly uh, mentioned. He does like no. get a cut of the money, and they do have a conversation, but for, it was kind of unclear to me what was actually happening. Like, should we be suspicious of Bast, or is Bast just trying to provoke yeah. Quoth to kind of awaken his <laughs> fire or whatever? But uh, <laughs> it's not. It's not sure. But it was interesting. Interesting way to end it. I I agree. Well, then... Uh, and also, Quoth had those keys also to try yeah, and open he, the like, box. Yeah, try, he, he tries to open it with all the keys. It doesn't really work. So something's going on with those keys and this box and the box. There's still the door, which I imagine will be the door of stone, which is the next book in the archives. So um, there's a lot of interesting stuff about the story of Tarbolin the Great. That kind of mirrors Quoth's journey. And I thought the fact that the Fae didn't know who Tarbolin was was interesting. And like, you know, Quoth has the cloak of shadows, which mirrors the cloak of many colors. So there's like, there was a lot of interesting parallels there, but I don't really have much more to say on it than that. It's like, is Quoth Tarbolin? Who knows? Like, is there some sort of way that would be possible? Like not really. Time travel. Yeah, stuff. not really, but. Um, it's interesting. He does mirror that legend so much, and there is no proof that Tarbolin actually existed so far. So. Um, I just thought that was really do. interesting. Yeah. That's another part of in the Fae. Never thought there about was, that before. There's a very unique moment where he's with the Fae where she she like there's only certain parts of the Tarblin story that she comments on and the other parts she had never heard of before. One of them being that she didn't know Tarblin never existed. And that was a huge moment for me. I was like, Whoa, what's going on here? And then he's like got the cloak of the the shade, which can block him from yeah. stuff and the idea of like he he called the stone and jumped off the roof and it's like it's like did quoth technically like jump off the roof with um aelin and stuff so it's like i don't know if it's just like poetic justice that he's mirroring the story or if there's more to it than that i mean we know quoth's story ends in tragedy so who knows but it's interesting they hit a lot of the same beats and that could just be quoth telling his own story, making it sound like it's similar to Tarbolin's also. Sure. So where it's like, yeah, I just thought it would be fun to include moments that mirror Tarbolin's and skip over the other stuff. You know, it's like, yeah, me and Aelin were locked in a room and he called the name of stone and then I jumped off the roof. It's like, okay, that happened. It's like, now I have a cloak, a, a shade, which is like, everyone's like, what does the cloak of many colors look like? You know, and they were all talking about it. Right That's before he gets the shade. So those moments I thought were interesting. But again, nothing definitive came out of my thought experiment there. <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> something's going on there too. I don't know if it's just Quoth being a clever storyteller, like putting Easter eggs in, or if it's actually telling of a reveal that will happen in the Door of Stone. Um, Quoth also, it's interesting because the Taberlin stories influence Quoth in ways. So he he's obsessed with pockets yes. because Taberlin had a ton of pockets in his cloak. It's what got him so into Taberlin's magic in the first story, place also. <laughs> yeah, and Taberlin's story is, um, is the reason why he 
Yeah. So he has <laughs> he puts uh, pockets Valorian in everything. Put all the, these pockets in his thing, and it'd be interesting then if there's some sort of weird. It feels a little too time travely for me for this to be how it ends up, but that if Quoth were somehow Taberlin, then he's like in this <laughs> loop of influencing his own story. Right. Which is, I guess there's some, someone uh, smarter than me could put together some sort of like <laughs> idea that that's how it's a story about stories and it's a story influencing his own story. But... <laughs> that would be a whole nother layer to this craziness. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Which would be cool. Uh, yeah, no, I just thought he could also just be a fanboy who wants to sound That's like fair. Tarblin the Grey too. Who knows? And he's also asked if, when he tries to tell that boy in the village that he's Quoth, he's asked if he can show him the cloak of no particular color. And he's, he's like, like, no, you're Tablin. confusing that with Tarblin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, so I was I kept reading little moments like that too, but it didn't get there's me anywhere. So there, Charles, <laughs> it might just be parallels. There's something I want to talk about that uh, got parallels to a story. Well, I'll let you too. pick the next um, topic. We gotta so, fly through these, unfortunately. I, well, okay. The well, something that we really wanted to touch on, Charles, and maybe this is appropriate after uh, we meandered through. <laughs> oh, the, nice. Yes, we meandered through the entire story of wise man's fear with our uh, pretty lengthy discussion before we even got here is a lot of people think that wise man's fear meanders yes. um, and they think that there's a lack of plot development that they'll often say is is disappointing and yes. you and I wanted to touch on that and I in typical fashion <laughs> uh, for strong these opinions. books which I never did with mistborn is i think about the topic and i usually just try to think about it and say like i'll make some bullet points if i need to remember certain things i want to hit or i'll just be like okay i know i know what i want to say on this but in this i ended up <laughs> like writing angrily um, my thoughts <laughs> i will on say it. you know we will probably get a chance to go into this more in review of reviews because a lot of my things were like oh this book needs an editor like these it feels like a lot of different things that don't go anywhere. So yeah, why don't you just kind of lay it on us and I'll kind of right. react to it here. So the goal of tack as conveyed by Braden is not to I win, like where Charles, this is going, <laughs> but it's to play a beautiful game. And on this read more than anything beautiful. else, I noted and appreciate that this is what <laughs> Wise Man's Fear and the King Killer Chronicles in general is. It's a beautiful game. This concept is conveyed both in the text in terms of these, some of yes. these more explicit quotes, but it's also conveyed by the text. In, Preach. And I mean that by it's shown by the text in regard to its self-awareness about not delivering you a straightforward story that follows the beats we're used to. And Preach. in lieu of that, we just play the beautiful game that <laughs> is uh, the Kingkiller Chronicles. And so this brings me to one of the stories I loved so much within this story about a story, uh, which is the story about Jack seeking the moon. And I absolutely love this. So it concludes, so uh, Jax isn't happy. He's this boy. He's just never even felt joy, right? Mm -hmm. And he's chasing the moon. Uh, um, he thinks if he f could just catch the moon, then he could be happy. 
so he's trying to chase the moon, and finally he tricks and captures the moon. And the story concludes with, he caught her, and he keeps her still. But (laughs) whether or not he is happy is only for him to know. So to those who lament that the plot doesn't move more quickly, to those that demand that Rothfuss get the book out sooner, to those that want this to be about a hero rising up and delivering vengeance upon the Chandrian, I understand where you're coming from. I do. But I want to challenge you to stop trying to win the Kingkiller Chronicles and instead content yourself with playing a beautiful game Ooh, can i get an amen Woo! yes i brilliant very well said uh man that that parallel with the game tack is all you have to do is say like the game tack and i was like a hundred percent yes 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 very well said sir thank you for that thank you because like, I, I said, is it long? Yes. Did I ever mind? No. Uh, one of pa- Patrick's greatest skills. It's like, I'm happy just reading because the way he writes, the rhythm in which he writes, I'm, I enjoyed every piece of it. Even the stuff that I didn't like as much as others, uh, I, I had the same level of enjoyment reading it. And that's just a testament to Patrick Rothfuss's skills as a writer. Well said, Charles. So... That's the yeah. whole big draw of reading this book. It's a, it's a beautiful it's book. It's a beautiful game. Yeah, it's a beautiful game. Yeah, the prose is beautiful. Enjoy it for the journey. And, I mean, I don't know. All these people who just want just want to capture it. The way that, <laughs> the way that we uh, learn Jax isn't necessarily happy just because he catches the moon if you especially if you go about it in a way that isn't proper mm-hmm. and i think that this book just takes its time and it it says hey let's uh let's enjoy this let's savor this while we have it because you know the destination yeah already <laughs> exactly beautiful and man what a what a great testament to this book that you that you managed to achieve dylan is like, that's the whole point of reading this story. Exactly. Well, I was upset. This was like the thing that kept flowing through my mind as I was reading. And when we got to tax stuff, I was like, this is it. Yes. So I was like, I think Mistborn, we would get through the books and we would be able to say, hey, like, this is the theme of this book. And I, was like, and I think we're Sanderson is not as subtle in the Mistborn books in what those are about as Rothfuss is. And I thought that king killer you know there's things it's it floats around and this kind of stuff it's more nebulous and that's true but each read i've had it's been it's felt more about something else at least to me and and this time it was about playing a beautiful game very very well said and that's true and that's what makes rothfuss writing so unique and what makes these stories so good it's just the pleasure that is reading the book exactly Man, we and Charles. Yes. Oh, uh, if you if you do have more there, then I want to let no, you no, say. No, no, go it, for it. I, I I have some other stuff that's kind of along these lines uh, to the other thing we we wanted to revisit, which was uh, the the Denna and quote stuff. Um, All I, right. And 
I know we're we're running a little long, but <laughs> it's know. a twelve hundred page book. What do you want? Forty four hours yeah. of audio book. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Charles. <laughs> what are we supposed my to favorite, do? <laughs> you know my favorite is when you get defensive against fans that haven't, <laughs> haven't actually said anything against us yet. Um, all right. So re- do you have more you wanted to say? on? on no, no. You, you masterfully covered it. So we wanted to say apparently some people that you were reading in reviews were saying that the, the Dena and quote stuff was annoying. Uh, and sappy, yes, the kind of the phrasing that you would see. So yes. I, <laughs> I don't want to rehash all my thought, my Dena thoughts, uh, especially as we're running uh, long. Mm-hmm. But I, anyway, I don't want to because they they haven't changed very much. Uh, so I'll direct people to the tirade that I went <laughs> on in the name of the wind episode. Yes, this. that covers uh, a lot of the ground. Stuff, mm-hmm. I feel the same way about a lot of it. I'll say if we're dealing with some people saying more like that the relationship is annoying and sappy. I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for these stories of <laughs> young love. So uh, they, they hit me right in the feels, Charles. And, I feel that. Uh, especially the ones like this that <laughs> seem like they're going to end up in a tragic way. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I think that we've said it's honest in a lot of ways too. And I, I think the book and, and therefore Rothfuss puts itself and himself out there trying to talk about young love in a way that's uncynical and vulnerable. And whether that's a bug or a feature for you is a matter of perspective, it's a feature for me. And I I think a lot of that might account for whether people perceive things like I do, or if they perceive it as sappy or annoying. I mean, this is how, I mean, teenager with a crush i mean this is what it feels like and i think yeah. he captures that i'll also say i want to bring it back to the the jack story uh, tack and denna uh or wrap all of those together or, so there's clear parallels between the jack story uh, um tack and denna some of which are are more subtext some of which are more explicit so quotes even says at one point so i did not try to win her and contented myself with playing a beautiful game but there was always a part of me that hoped for more. And so there was a part of me that was always a fool. <laughs> As for Jackson the Moon, uh, not only is Quoth always seeking Denna um, and often trying to capture or win her or, or trying to resist the urge to do so, oh, um, the, the Moon's also frequently mentioned in reference to and even by Denna, who says, uh, makes note that there's no moon on the night in the mayor's garden, even though apparently there's a sliver of a moon. And uh, she comments that she likes moonless nights best. Um, but I'll say the, the the point of this, right? I think uh, Quoth is a lot like Jax in terms of Jax chases after the moon and thinks if he could just get her, then he'd be happy. And uh, Quoth is similar with how he chases after Denna. And he thinks, hey, if I could just almost like <laughs> the sense of like capture her, and that's what people are always trying to do to Denna, then I'll be happy. And Quoth is very ambivalent. He's always like fighting his nature in terms of wanting to win Denna. And he can never really let that go, but knowing that it's not right and uh, that. Like he just needs to enjoy his time spent with her, and I think that's uh, wonderfully explored. Some people think Denna literally is the moon, <laughs> for the record. Um, 
like I think that's a little much. I think it's more of a parallel kind of what you were talking about around right. Taberlin. Like Denna is like the moon in terms of how Jax chases the moon and Quoth chases Denna. But... Right. It's a theme yeah. in the book. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's very well said. I can't I can't say it much better than that. Um it is very much about enjoying the process. And I think, you know, we said it in our last episode when we were, did the bulk of the discussion of Quoth and Denna. It's like, look, anyone that's been in a similar situation gets hit right in the feels with this <laughs> with this story. So that enough is a, should be a testament to the to the story. I will also say for all those people that are frustrated, like, let's like pick up on the cues that we're given. It's like Patrick Rothfuss knows that it's frustrating and it and it sneaks <laughs> its way into the story where in ways we should be thinking like, is it maybe frustrating on purpose? Because this is, you know, the moment in the beginning where he's at the school and he knows Ambrose has done his ring and he almost gets himself killed trying to get it, almost gets his friends in trouble for trying to get it. He runs into all kinds of trouble because now Ambrose has his blood and is committing malfeasance against him just for this ring. And there's this whole moment where Will, you know, they barely escape with their lives. And Will is like, you realize you've gone way over the hill concerning this Denna girl, don't you? Like, that's how the chapter ends, where they're like licking their wounds. And he's like, can we finally have enough of this? (laughs) Like, no one else understands what he sees in her. her. His friends, Will is over it was over it in the last book Will's like <laughs> she's not that good looking she's what well, this and that and the other thing it is interesting that bast has seen her and knows what she looks like it's like yeah, her nose is small or whatever so it's like it's yeah. Rothfuss <laughs> knows this and your gives you crooked, yeah just. crooked and gives you these moments of like can we please be done like you realize you've you're going too far with this so it's like he hears you and he's acknowledging that, but that's like, there's more going on here from Quoth's Quoth's perspective that Quoth can't shake. And he's not just going to suddenly shake it because it's exhausting to read about. There's also a great moment where he's with the crew and like this, when they're fighting the bandits and it's um, two of the, two of the members of his crew are like in this, will they, won't they relationship. Yeah. And Quoth is getting incredibly, uh, frustrated by it and he's talking to tempe he's like why doesn't anyone just tell them that they like each other and that they should get together and tempe has this great quote where he's like trying to help right now would be like trying to put out fire with my hands painful and with no real results so it's like just let it burn out you quote can't even see it in himself he has that like we know from when everyone was trying to tell him to take a vacation to take a sabbatical it's like quote you have to realize other people's perspectives here. It's like, no one wants you here. You're too much controversy. It's like, hey, like your relationship with Denna is very distracting and benefits no one and is constantly putting you out. It's like, what is the deal? And he can't even recognize that in other relationships. So how much more do you have to read before you kind of change your opinion of this relationship, which like very clearly this is something going on in Quoth's perspective that he can't shake. And just because it's frustrating doesn't mean it's bad. It's true to Quoth's character. And that's what makes it super good. And and that's why our opinions haven't changed. (laughs) Well, we, we like it. Um, We, the pacifist in me wants to appease people by saying, if it's not for you and you don't like it, even if you acknowledge, hey, it's frustrating, uh, I just don't like the feeling of being frustrated by this as I'm reading it. That's 
fine. It's okay. Definitely. Um, you're allowed to feel that way, but Charles and I f- enjoy it, and lots and lots of people enjoy how. And Patrick has heard you, and it's in the writing, is. and it's and acknowledged. Yeah, so that too. Uh, Charles, I was thinking that <laughs> the the will quotes of these conversations. Uh, <laughs> that that could have been taken right out of uh, <laughs> some conversations you, me, and Derek have had with uh, me in the place of quotes. So, uh, this, this hits Definitely. It's like, <laughs> what's the issue here? It's very cut and dry that, like, it's time to move on. But it's not that simple when it's you that it's happening to. So yes, it's a beautiful yeah, moment exactly. captured captured in the quote in a relationship. I, oh, it's so, dude, there's... I don't know if there's another like romantic relationship hmm. in maybe fiction in general, uh, fantasy in particular, uh, that that hits me as hard in the feels as this one does. And I mean, credit to Rothfuss. I mean, people have strong emotional reactions to this. And Either I, positive or negative, they're strong. Positive or negative. As Rothfuss has said himself. Something. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, it's, it is a really poignant one and really unique one to, like, just the fantasy genre also. Because, like, you know, so many stories have a more transparent love story arc, kind of, and sometimes yeah. they subvert it. But in this case, where it's just frustrating and it's, it's, it's a unique play but it's like you said it's it's just a beautiful game you know it's just what's happening and how it's happened and Rothfuss does it in such a way that it's just a joy to read for me anyway I uh, I love it it's hard to say goodbye to this world it's hard to not be able to read the it third really and is. final book uh, it's hard not to get those conclusions but like we said it's it's all in the process. It's all in making the game. So we're in no ways trying to rush Patrick. Which is take your time, man. Make a beautiful game, and and we'll read it. <laughs> so well said, Charles. Um, uh, that's uh, it is hard to say goodbye. There's still more. We still have a review of reviews. We haven't quite let go of this story yet. True, and we'll create an episode at some point of slow regard slow regard will come and uh you know we'll have the review reviews to hold out and kind of get more into these last few plot points we may have had to have gone over real quickly we get the chance to revisit and review of reviews so uh, now more than ever i would encourage people to listen to that (laughs) there's a lot we only got to glance over in this but i mean with something as epic as this book i'm impressed with what we were able to achieve so a proper send-off i hope worthy of the king killer chronicles so this has been a pleasure one day we'll reconvene for um book three the door of stone and what a day that will be And, and until we reach that moment I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play the outro for everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. Please check out Review of Reviews for this book. I mean, what piece of fiction was made more appropriately for Review of Reviews than the Kingkiller Chronicles? The reviews are all over the place in this story. We're going to get into it, but man, 
one stars, five stars, all over the place. We're going to set it straight on Wednesday. And then we have a very exciting two-parter of French Pitching Fantasy. We're kind of experimenting with the form of it. So you don't want to miss that. We're going to figure out what we're going to read after Lord of the Rings. It's finally happening. Uh, Just as I've now finally read King Killer Chronicles, Marshall finally have read the one series to rule them all, Lord of the Rings. So (laughs) that will be very exciting. So many beautiful things to look forward to in the near future on the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody, and go forth and conquer, friends. Friends.